listen up. We have a problem. It's called defense. We don't really know how to play it anymore. We struggle a lot on that side of the ball. And you may have wondered, was there ever a time when the Atlanta Falcons were good at defense? Well, I'm here to tell you, yes, there was. Actually, in 1977, led by Mr. Glanville himself, the Atlanta Falcons only allowed 129 points. Ooh, that's some incredible defense. And I miss it. And maybe you do too. They were called the Grits Blitz. And so that's the name of this podcast. Essentially, it's a tribute to one of the all-time greatest defense the NFL ever saw. And it's a longing for one day when the ATL will have a defense just like it. But that's not today. But maybe it'll be tomorrow. Who knows? This is the Grits Blitz. This is the Atlanta Falcons podcast. Let's get to it. This is Mikey Puckett, the host of the Grits Blitz. Thank you for jumping on the cast and checking us out and listening. We love our listeners. And if you get a chance, uh, hit that subscribe button, jump on with us, be part of the family. We would love that. Follow us on Instagram at the Grits Blitz podcast. Reach out to us if you have any questions, thoughts, input. I'd love to bring it in on the podcast and on this show. So, we love you guys. You matter to us. And let's jump in. I want to give you a little bit of an idea of where we're going today. First, I'm going to do a little instant reaction to my thoughts of the game against the Detroit Lions, the loss, 23-22. to And then uh, let's talk about what went wrong because I think that's worth talking about. And then what's next for this football team? What are we going to see in the future and what to expect? Is Matt and Julio staying? Are we going to see Raheem Morris be the head coach? And uh, if not, who will be that coach? So that's all coming up on the podcast. So let's get to it. First of all, the feelings that I feel are strong when it comes to watching this football game and experiencing it is absolutely heartbreaking again. This one, I think I feel a little bit more than the other ones Uh recently because part of me had this little piece of hope especially after a win of being like let's get to two wins in a row let's start win streaking that'd be really fun the fact that they won last week just kind of bolsters the confidence level I think when we were losing week in and week out it kind of became this numb feeling but then once they got a victory and we tasted that sweetness of a W it was really really tough to take this one on the chin by the Detroit Lions, especially at the last second. It kind of was like reopening a scar and wound that you thought was healing. Like, have you ever had like a, a scab on your body and you thought was healed and, and you're kind of picking at it and then you pick at it and, it and it rips off and then it just like completely is reopened and it hurts just as much as when you originally got the wound? Well, that's kind of what this game feels like is, is okay, we won a football game last week. We got, we got it going. It's okay. The bleeding has stopped. All right. And then the Detroit Lions come and just start slowly picking at that scab. This is such a gross analogy, but this is so accurate. They start slowly picking at it. And then the next thing you know, it's ripped off. It's not healed underneath. There's lots of wounds, lots of feelings. And that's what I experienced in this football game, watching this football game, just as a Falcons fan. So, wow, just absolutely heartbreaking, really hard to swallow and really hard to take. Uh, But 
let's talk about a little bit. My first thoughts were, man, can we get a call? Can we get some help from the referees? I mean, that was absolutely crushing, just over and over again crushing. So the A.J. Terrell hit, the sack, on essentially on a third down play on um, um, on Matthew Stafford is, is a terrible f- football call. That is clean. That is like the definition of a clean tackle. And we get that penalty and they're able to get points off of that, that that hurts you. That's going to hurt you, and that's going to cost you later in the game, especially in a game where you lose uh, by one point. So there you go. That's one of the things that I immediately thought about and, and was incredibly angry as that came to bite us at the end of this football game. As well, Matt Ryan looked pretty dang good. I mean, like, talk about a guy who's playing well the last two weeks. 31 for 42, 338 yards and a touchdown. Man, he's on. He's playing great football. His throws were just so had some elite throws. Now there were some mistakes, as always, but there was there were some elite throws and just some more of a affirmation of like, yes, this guy deserves to be in the NFL, should be in the NFL, is still playing at a very high level, and and he looks great. It looked phenomenal in this football game throwing the football. Now there was there was a few moments where I am seeing a little bit of this like kind of extra hitching in the in the throwing like he's not super confident in what he is seeing so whatever defense defenses are figuring out if i could see all 22s that'd be really helpful of what they're doing to matt ryan because they're making him double clutch the football because he's he's there are times where he's kind of doing that extra stutter 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 step and and you can see it the ball's coming out sometimes pretty late even on plays that are pretty rudimentary like a quick out or a quick in route he's he's a little bit a step a second half a second behind on those throws which is interesting uh, and that can really cost you in the NFL and football games but the Lions weren't this defense was a little bit better but they're not a great defense so you're able to get away with some of that stuff uh, with that extra timing as well but I want to just come down to also talk a little bit about Todd Gurley and our run game come on two our, I think we're averaging like 2.5 yards per carry that is that is awful as a running team. If you I mean if you're going not a running team, we're not a running team, but if you're going to run the football, you don't want to be a 2.5 yard per carry per carry football team. And I think a lot of our problems come from not having a good run game, a good running attack. And I think a lot of the problems that we have is is our play action is weak because of that um, our play calling is weak because of that. And this could go it could it's like the chicken or the egg. Is the run game bad because of the play calling or is the run game bad because Todd Gurley's not that great, and maybe our offensive line isn't creating enough holes. I don't really know. I think it's a little bit, a bit of both, and I think a lot of it actually, I mean, to be honest, does does come down to Dirk Cutter. Uh, I think this is something that he struggled with in Tampa and seems to be on par that he's struggling with now. Now, do I think Todd Gurley is old Todd Gurley? No, but do I think he's better than Devontae Freeman? Yes. So I think we should have a better run running attack this year than we did last year, but we don't, and that's unfortunate. And so that's something that really does bite us in the butt as football games progress and go along when you need to have game control and game management and you can't run the football as well as you should be able to. That's going to always be a problem. Now, then let's talk about the defense. My instant thought on defense was, wow, this team was, this defense was playing. They were playing hard. I mean, some of those blitz packages were great. I love the Keanu Neal sag. You got Deion Jones, who's a great blitzing linebacker. You got him utilizing his talents. And, and we're getting there. We're getting to uh, 
Matthew Stafford. We're getting to him. We're, we're putting pressure on. And I, and I like that a lot. I thought that looked really, really good. And our running defense, once again, proves to be an elite running defense. I mean, they are good at stopping the run. That's something that is an identity for them. And that I respect that. I have a lot of respect for their ability to do that. And I think it's it's really impressive how that defensive line is playing. It's so much better than last year. And I would say the t- the side of the ball that is underplaying from last year is the linebacker core. And and that's that's disappointing to see uh, as Deion Jones seems to be struggling in this game. And so does um, Aluakon. So that's, that's a problem. And I realized, too, what I was noticing in the football games, Detroit – was attacking the middle was essentially attacking our safeties. If the safeties if there was if there was safety coverage in the middle of the field, they were going to the boundaries. If there was safety coverage towards the boundaries, they were going to the middle of the field. And they were attacking our athleticism at safety. I do not think that we have very athletic safeties. And I think that a big way to bolster this uh, secondary is to get a safety who's athletic, hard hitting, and is 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 a guy, is is a player, is a baller. Neil and KZ and those guys, I think they're average, maybe a little bit below average at times at safety. And I think teams realize that and take advantage of that. And and that's what the Detroit Lions essentially did over and over again was take advantage of that. And they took advantage of our linebackers and their um, fundamentals and eye discipline, which was pretty apparent as they were hitting those 10 to 15 yard little little throws across the middle of the field, just picking on them. And even the last play of the game was essentially picking on our linebackers. All right, so next section, as we go into this next segment, we're going to talk about what went wrong. Land Falcons lose 23-22 to on the last play of the football game. And so the question is, what went wrong? What resulted in that um, loss for us? And I want to start off by, I talked about it in the last segment a little bit, but the run game. I think if your run game is not consistent, is not a threat, if you don't got a guy that can break a tackle or two and, and bust a big run, you're going to have problems in the, you know, just in general as an offense. You're going to have problems. And I think that's something that we're seeing. There's some runs. There's some runs to have. I think Todd Gurley just isn't fast enough, isn't quick enough to get through that and, and be able to, uh, to make those eight yard, nine yard, 10 yard runs into 20, 30, 40 yard runs. And that's something that we really haven't seen that much this year. And I think that's a big problem uh, for this offense and for a dirt cutter scheme, which likes to use play action, which teams are not respecting because there isn't really a threat there. What they are respecting is our passing game, and they are making that very difficult uh, for Matt Ryan. Whatever they're doing, they're making him double clutch. And that is. That is difficult. You know, he for whatever reason, Matt seems to be always kind of doubting what he's seeing. Now, in regards to the run game, I think Todd Gurley has really great patience. I love how he sets up blocks. I think that is something he is elite at and really good at. Then he hits the hole, and it seems like he's just kind of tiptoeing. He's just not quite have the gusto to just power through that hole with high knees and with force and be able to and be able to get more out of out of a play. But I think he gets a lot out of plays because he does set up blocks really well. 
Now, in this game, we saw him break some tackles, which is great. I think he's getting better and better as each week goes along. It's just not hitting what you expect, especially what we would have expected with a name like Todd Gurley, um, with what that name comes with and that cachet. So a weak run game is, is a big problem for this football team, and it's going to be a big problem for this football team moving forward. And that's one of the reasons why we lose the football game is because you have a weak running attack um, and your inability to game control and manage on the offensive side of the ball is is poor because of that. The other piece to this is bad coaching decisions. I mean, on fourth and five in the red zone, uh, in the fourth quarter, it's 14 to 13. We got a one-point lead, and you go for it. You kick that field goal, and you go from you go to a 17-13 lead. They have to score a touchdown, which is much more difficult than having to kick a field goal which they eventually do to take the lead on us to make it 16 to 14. You got to kick that field goal. I love aggressive play calling. I love being aggressive and, and trusting your football team. But what about this football team has given you the belief that you can trust them, that you can trust them on a fourth and five with the game on the line, with a one point lead in the fourth quarter? There's nothing. And as a coach, you got to understand that this team needs to build their confidence before you can do something like that, maybe if they were undefeated up to this point, you do that. And, and you say, you know what? My team has yet proved me wrong. But they have proven you wrong. you got to know your football team. you got to know what you're dealing with. It's too aggressive. you got to kick the field goal. Now, obviously, if they convert it, we wouldn't be talking anything about it. So I understand that hindsight is 20 to 20. And, and, and I understand that if the result of the play was a first down, more time taken off the clock or a touchdown, we wouldn't be having this conversation. But it didn't happen that way, so we have to have that conversation. And we have to say and point out, Raheem Morris, this was a bad coaching decision. There's also a moment where you have 12 men on the field. That's That can't happen in the NFL. I love how the, the, the Lions challenge it. The refs didn't even catch it, and they challenge it, and they get it. Really, that play doesn't really bite you in the butt that much, at all, but it's still one of those things of like this is this is evidence that there's bad coaching decisions happening in this football game. Like, why are we not once again not utilizing Julio Jones? Just seem to just be so scared to utilize him. We gotta we gotta go after this guy. I mean, we have to. More than more than anything, we gotta we gotta get this guy involved much earlier in a football game. Instead of instead of later in the football game, we gotta get him going early in the football game. The other thing that I want to talk about is awful situational football. This football team, the Atlanta Falcons, might be one of the worst situational football teams ever. They've lost three football games this year because of situational football. Onside kick with uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Fourth quarter here with the uh, Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears, just terrible football uh situational football abilities and that comes that's part of coaching but that's also part of players not making plays and in key situational moments so let me talk about some of the situational moments that I'm, i want to bring up in this game that we totally whipped on first of all second um you got the end of this end of the first half end of the first half second quarter the lions have the football with i don't know under a minute left in the game and they are able to drive the field, drive down the field, and get a field goal, get three points, and be able to get this game to 10 to 14. Come on. You can't. You can't let that happen. 
You cannot let that happen. You, you cannot let them get down the field under a minute and be able to get three points. That's situational football that you got to close out. You you close out there and you win this game 20 to 22. Situational moment that you failed at. You just kind of let off the gas just a little bit as a team, as a coaching staff, and as players. And you let them get down the field and you let them uh, make a play and you let them kick a field goal to make it 10 to 14. That's a, that's a situational moment that you wish you could have back. Also, obviously, end of fourth quarter final drive. Just at the end of the halves, after, you know, end of the second quarter and end of the fourth quarter, just complete replicas of each other. You have 64 seconds left to stop this football team with no timeouts, and you let them drive the whole field and score. That's unacceptable. That's bad situational football. And you have a play before the final play with Kenny Galladay, who makes an incredible pass, incredible throw by Matthew Stafford. But literally, our linebackers are about an inch away from patting that ball down. An inch away. That just comes down to just being a little bit better, being a little bit more fundamentally sound, making a little bit more um, fundamental, better decisions, um, getting back a little bit faster, getting your eyes back a little bit faster. I mean, that just comes down to being a little bit more confident. And they're just not that confident as a football team, which results in a lack of ability to make situational, you know, great situational plays. And they don't do that ever. And so the other thing is, is the final play, you have a fundamental breakdown in the final play. You have one, you got a pass rush that comes up far, too far upfield and, and misses their opportunity to tackle Matthew Stafford. The other thing is you have Deion Jones covering Hawkinson. And he makes a huge mistake at linebacker. One of the things you teach linebackers is in these certain moments that you keep your eyes on your guy, you stay with your guy, you stay with your guy. Especially with a guy like Matthew Stafford, you're not very concerned about him running the football. He's not a Kyler Murray. He's not a Russell Wilson. He's not a Patrick Mahomes. These are guys that you don't need to spy. It's like Matt Ryan. You don't spy him. And also, we much rather have Matthew Stafford run the football than throw it. Deion Jones takes his eyes off Hawkinson and moves him to... Uh, moves him to Matthew Stafford. So he, he he stops checking Hawkinson, getting his gets his hands off Hawkinson, move his eyes to Matthew Stafford, and Matthew Stafford looks like he's going to run, freezes Deion Jones, and is able to, at the last second, whip in a sidearm throw to Hawkinson for the touchdown. Now what needs to happen there is Deion needs to match Hawkinson with his hands, carry Hawkinson across the middle of the field with his body, and then pass him off to Aluakon, or stay with them all the way through. I, I can't tell in the play if they are in man-to-man coverage and they need to stay with them. It looks like they are, and it looks like Deion Jones lets his guy slip away. But also, Aluakon and Deion Jones look at each other as if whatever it was, they were confused. And so if they are confused, that's another fundamental problem. You can't be confused on the last play of a football game on what you're doing. Very frustrating. I wish Matthew, we, we were able to cover up, let Matthew Stafford run, and then us come up and make a tackle after he broke the line of scrimmage. And we don't because we are a bad situational football team. So those are those are three things that we really struggle with and, and that essentially went wrong in this football game. All right, let's jump into the next segment of what's next for the Atlanta Falcons after a 1-6 and six start to the season. What's happening next? What are we going to do? The Atlanta Falcons are 1-6. This football team is not going to make the playoffs. 
as a fan, after the win against the Minnesota Vikings, there was this feeling of like, oh, we can maybe get on a little bit of a run here. You beat the Vikings, you beat the Lions, and then you had the Panthers. You get three wins there. Now you're three and five. Getting into divisional play, which you always play well against your division. Usually you can play them tighter. You guys know each other a little bit better. You can you can start you can start making a chance with the Saints and the Bucks. You can make it interesting because you know these guys. You play these guys. These guys are fam- you're familiar with them and what they do and their schemes. The problem is, is you you you're not gonna you're not gonna make it because you don't have your head coach anymore. You don't. That's gone. You have an interim coach. Uh, and then you have a football team that doesn't believe in each other, doesn't have confidence, has a complete lack of confidence. And, and because of that, that mentality, that mental weakness, they can't close out football games. They cannot figure out a way how to win football games. And that is always going to be a struggle uh, for this football team. For the rest of the season, you, it is fair to expect this football team to not win a game from here on out. It's also fair to expect for them to win a few. I think against Carolina, you can expect for them to win this game. Why not? This team has the talent. This team has the people. This team has the players. It's just which team is going to show up, the the team that can can take over a game on offense or the team that's going to struggle to get 22 points against not a great Detroit Lions defense. I mean, they're a little bit better, but not super. They're not great. They're not excellent. They're kind of average. And so you should be able to get more than 22 points. Also, this team with Dirk Cutter, this offense with Dirk Cutter, proves if, if they're playing a de- defense that's average or average above average, Dirk Cutter gets shut down. One, because he's incredibly predictable. The other thing is is the reason why is because I think he overanalyzes the play. And I think Matt Ryan does the same thing. I think they're just a bad combo together. I, I think just the lack of big plays proves that in this game just the lack of explosiveness proves that in this game it's incredibly frustrating the other thing is a lot of you know even me you know i was saying like hey let's look into getting some trades heck why not be open to matt and julio jones i mean i was just theorizing why not be open to trading those guys away they're not going to trade those guys away the reason is because you fired your head coach, and so you want the next coach to be able to make that decision, especially when you have talent like Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, which the next coach might want to build around, and he might not. I think if you go 1-15, I think the next coach is going to have a really hard time justifying keeping a Matt Ryan and a Julio Jones on the roster. I don't think he would, would want to keep both with the amount of salary that they consume when you could get a Trevor Lawrence to come in for cheap a rookie for cheap that's not going to be as good as Matt Ryan coming out, but has the potential to probably be better just because of his generational abilities. He's a once in a gen- he's kind of like one of those once in generation talents. It would be worth it would be smart to take him and to trade away a thirty six year old, thirty seven year old, you know, and thir- kind of in his later thirties, going to his later thirties quarterback. That's what you got to do. That doesn't mean that we don't love Matt Ryan as a franchise, as as a Land Falcons franchise. That doesn't mean I don't love Matt Ryan. I adore Matt Ryan. I love him. I love what he's done for this franchise. I love what he's done for the Land of Falcons. But at the same time, you got to understand that he's in the later half of his career, and he can still ball. He is a baller. But the next coach might not want to build around old talent. 
And also, if you really do love Matt Ryan, don't you kind of want him to have a new fresh start somewhere else where he could potentially win a Super Bowl? Because this team's not going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon. I'm just saying, like it, it, the way that the salary cap is and the way that they're in trouble financially with the salary cap is evidence that this is this is going to be a problem um, for the next coach to have to figure out and the next GM. So, but they're not going to be traded by November third by the trade trade deadline because that needs to be the next head coach decision. Will the next head coach trade them away? I don't know. I think he will trade away one of them, and. I think I think that is going to happen next year, and I think one of them they're gonna they want to probably be traded away. To be honest, like as much as we want to think those guys want to be Falcons for life, do they? Do they? I don't know. It doesn't really. I personally feel like Julio wouldn't mind taking his talent somewhere else, and I don't blame him. He's the best wide receiver in the league. He should go somewhere else and get his Super Bowl, and I think Matt Ryan should too. And I want that for them. I want them to win a Super Bowl. I want those guys to be in the Hall of Fame. Period. That's what I want for those guys. And I think they deserve it. I think they've earned it over their career. I just don't know if they can get there, if Julio can. But I don't know if Matt Ryan can as a Falcon. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And maybe maybe the coach keeps both of them. But I, I, I highly doubt that the next coach will. That brings, Obviously, you, you know what I'm talking about. Raheem Morris, will he be the head coach next year? No, he will not. After this football game, I don't think you can allow him to be the next head coach with the poor decision-making he had, the poor game plan um, that they had on offense, which I think is mostly Dirk Cutter's fault. And uh, on top of that, this team is this, – it, it's the problem wasn't just Dan Quinn on this team. It was the players and also the supporting staff of coaches. I think Dirk Cutter is part of that problem. I think that's one of the knocks you can have on Dan Quinn is the guys he hired around him post-Shanahan and LaFleur – were not good enough to be around him. And I think that's one of the problems that Cutter has faced as a head coach was hiring not as, not, you know, and especially since he was acting like a CEO head coach, he wasn't hiring guys that were were at that top tier level of coaching that could really be, create explosive offenses for us as well. So Raheem Morris, will he be the next head coach? I do not think so. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. I think Raheem Morris will be shelled out. So will Cutter be, and I hope, I hope, I think Dirk Cutter will be shelled out as well and we'll have a new entire coaching staff next year and GM, a total flip. And we'll see what that looks like. Who do I want to be the next coach? I want the guy at Kansas City, the OC. I want that dude. I think his name's, uh, I can't remember, but I want the offensive coordinator at Kansas City. I want a guy, I want a guy coming in. At least I want a guy coming in that is an offensive coach. Uh, no more playing around with these defensive coaches. <laughs> Let's just get in an offensive coach that's going to take especially if they're going to keep Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. If they do, that's going to create an explosive offense week in and week out. This is what I would like to see probably happen. You get the OC from Kansas City or an offensive coach. The team is in a high draft pick situation. They figure out a way to trade up to get Trevor Lawrence. If they can get Trevor Lawrence, you sh- you you trade away Matt Ryan for defensive players to get some really good defensive talent on your side of the football. And then you got a Trevor Lawrence throwing to a Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst. It's pretty crazy. That would be pretty incredible for a guy as a rookie to have that as your, you know, 
I mean, Trevor Lawrence is better than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going off. He's going off. And he has Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green. We have Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. What would Trevor Lawrence do in a situation like that? I think you could have a team that could make the playoffs. I think you really could. Now, if the new head coach keeps Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, can they make the playoffs? Can they be just as explosive? Yes. Could they be even more? Probably. But the salary issues makes your defense worse because you aren't able to get more defensive players back there and you're having to draft them because you got to get them cheap and you can't afford them as they get better along the road. So because you have these incredible salaries for Ryan and Julio, so can they be as good as they potentially could be if they didn't? You get a little worse at quarterback with Trevor Lawrence, just a little, but you you get better at defense and balance out your football team. I don't know. Just thinking out loud, thinking through this stuff. I absolutely love talking about this stuff and theorizing and everything, but that is going to be it for the show, for the Grits Blitz podcast. Thank you for listening. You guys matter to us. Please uh, subscribe. Please rate and review. We want to grow the show. We want to make it uh, more, bigger and bigger. So we we love it, and and we love our listeners. You guys are the best, uh, absolute best. Uh, we're big fans of you guys. You guys matter to us. And subscribe to us and follow us on Instagram at the Grit Splits Podcast. Love you guys. See ya.